Well, what I loved about doing that is that it actually, like Matt said, is gonna give a really great visual for what we're talking about today. So my hope is that you will not be able to get that out of your mind's eye for the rest of the week. This idea of what it is to struggle against when somebody wants something different than you want, all right? But first I thought we should start by talking about God. So specifically, God in the movies. You know, I'm fascinated when I see that there's a God character in the movies because it means that someone in Hollywood had to think about who would be a good actor to play God, right? And that's fascinating to me. That's a lot. That's like big shoes to fill, right? Uh, and I think that each decade kind of has its own person who represents God. Like for example, in the 70s and 80s, it was of course George Burns. Some of you remember those movies, right? How many of you remember the Oh God, You Devil movies? Yep, where he appears to John Denver, who's a grocery store manager. And then we fast forward into the 90s where she took it, where Alanis Morissette took a short stint away from singing to play God in Dogma. And then we get to the 2000s, where it's my favorite, Morgan Freeman, who played God, right? And he hands over the keys to Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty and lets him give it a go for a week. We'll just skip talking about Evan Almighty, because we all want to just pretend that one never happened. But <laughs> more recently, in 2017, we get the beautiful Octavia Spencer playing God in The Shack. So over the years... There's been this steady stream of movies where a character has to interact with God and someone in Hollywood had to figure out who was gonna play God and lots of interesting options. But here's the thing that is true in every movie, no matter who's playing God, is that God appears to someone, right? And there's one big reason that he does it and it's because he has a mission. Can you say mission with me? Let's say it. Mission, he's got a mission. God begins to have everyday conversations with people for a reason because he's got something he wants them to do. Maybe the most important and memorable example from pop culture and classic movies is the one where even though God never shows up, these two guys know that they are on a mission from God. What movie is that? Who is it? Yep, it's the Blues Brothers, right? And ever since that movie came out, that has just become part of our vernacular, part of our culture, that God has a mission for you. He's got something for you to do, that he's going to send you on a mission. And so, as people of God, we spend a lot of our lives, kind of spiritually speaking, waiting for God to show up and tell us what he wants us to do. And often, he does not. Because we're sitting there thinking, like, I would be willing to do whatever God asks. I'm just waiting for him to tell me what it is. Give me a mission, God. I will get after it. I'd be happy to follow God, but I'm just kind of in this limbo where I'm waiting for him to tell me what to do. I'm waiting for my marching orders. And if you're like most of us, then you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and Morgan Freeman never shows up. And so you just sit there spiritually missionless. Well, as Jody said last week, often our prayer lives can feel a little bit bland. And I think some of that reason is because that mission never comes. 
And God doesn't seem to be trying real hard to get a hold of us and to guide us. And if you have ever felt that way, then I am excited to get to speak with you today because I think that this prayer that we're going to dare you to do is going to change that. As Matt said, we've just begun a series called I Dare You, six prayers that will change your life. And today, we're going to give you the first dare. Last week was the first week, and what we said is if you were willing to commit and say, I'll take the dare, then we gave you this booklet, I've got one right here, that kind of goes along with the series. Each each uh, couple of pages represents a week, and it is really your companion for this series. Now, I know a lot of you got one last week, but if you didn't, or if maybe you weren't here, I want to invite you to stop by the welcome kiosk after this and make sure you get one, because these booklets were customized, designed just for you to walk you along these six prayers, to let you dig into them throughout the week. So be sure that you grab one. Well, like I said, last week, really, we just introduced the concept, and today we're going to give you your first real challenge in prayer number one, and we're going to teach you something called the prayer of submission. Can we all just say the prayer of submission? Prayer of submission. Good. Now, that word submission, the first thing we got to do is actually dig into that and see what that is talking about, and I want to do that first by showing you a video. This is a a young woman in our uh, community, and uh, she has a very unique and specific application of submission. So watch this. Hi, my name is Jess, and this is my dog, Jamie. And you've probably seen us around Crosswinds and wondered who we are, what we do. So I'm going to share a little bit of our journey with you today. Jamie is a rescue dog. We went to a big convention, and I saw her and said that this is a great dog. We brought her home, started the training, and quickly found out that she was perfect for what I needed and the, the benefits of service. So the journey began when I really felt called to self-train. I thought it was the best option for us. So becoming a trainer, especially for a service dog, was a very uh, tricky, situation, very tricky process. You know, it had its crazy up and downs. Um, you know, there were times where I felt like giving up. I think the, the hardest command for her to learn was heal. So that really tested my patience a lot and it took a long time to get her to, I guess, submit to that command and to, to obey. There were definitely times where I did feel like, you know, giving up. And, and, you know, she's never going to get it. I'm never going to get it. And I'm very glad that I didn't give up on her. And I think the benefits of that were it taught me patience. It taught me patience with others. Because Jamie was so submissive in this process and, and willing to learn, it was rewarding for both of us. You know, not only did she get a great, you know, training process, but I also gained, you know, a best friend. And she has helped me tremendously in my life and on, on this journey on figuring myself out, figuring out, you know, uh, the training with her. And so it was a very rewarding process, and I'm very glad that I went through it. 
How many of you wish your dog understood what the word submit means? Anyone? Yes, a little bit better. Right, you can go talk to Jess after. Uh, Well, I think certainly that is one of the applications of submission, but obviously we are talking about us submitting. So let's talk about what that is, because we're talking very closely with another word that goes with it, which is mission. And as we add the sub on there, we all have kind of this idea of what submission means. It's about lowering yourself. It's about following someone else or giving in to someone else's way. We kind of get submission. Submission to us is kind of this thing that we are forced to do. And if we don't do it, in some cases, there are dire consequences. You could lose your job. You could get arrested. It just depends on how far you go of not submitting. But to get a little bit of a clearer understanding of this word, let's break it down a little. Because even, it's an interesting word, because even the very first three letters hold a lot of meaning. Sub. Think of all the words that begin with sub, like submarine. It means to be under what? Underwater, right? A submarine is underwater. A subcontractor is somebody who works under someone else's larger contract. Or subtract means you take a number out from under another number. Or sub a means you drive under a I guess. I don't know. All right, and then let's put it with our word today. We've been talking about mission. So submission very simply means being under someone else's mission, being under the mission of someone else. And as I said before, it's often a word that has a very negative connotation because we think it to be about somebody who's making you do something that you don't want to do. Someone is forcing you to have it be their way and you have no choice in the matter. But that's not actually quite right. Now, this is going to kind of seem like a little bit of a tangent, but we're going to go there because it's going to get us to where we need to go for us to be able to get to prayer. I want to show you a place in the Bible that talks about submission, and it really explains it a little bit more fully. And so if you you brought your Bible or on your app, you can open to Ephesians 5. If not, we'll have it on the screens as usual. And Ephesians 5 is a, a passage that talks a lot about submission. But before we read it, I want to just give you a disclaimer. The church historically has not really treated this passage as well as it could over the years. And the way specifically that it has been taught, uh, the theology around it regarding spouses, okay? So just, you'll see what I mean. We'll get there. Ephesians 5.22, it says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And a lot of people have taken this verse out of its cultural context and thought of the word submission basically being wives, do what your husband says. He calls all the shots, put your wants under his because his mission is more important. Okay, now I want you to go one more verse, verse 25. Look at this one. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Meaning, husbands, put your wants under hers. He tells men, put your mission under hers. And see, a lot of people have looked at this passage and they've read it wrong, thinking that it is about men and women and the roles that they should play. Men, make sure your wives do what you say. But when we do that, we are putting our cultural understanding of submission into it. Submission as something that you are forced to do. But if you look at it carefully, Paul does not define submission that way. He defines it as a humble, loving choice that you make, that each of you make, to put your mission under 
each other. Now, just in case you think I'm reading into it, I want to back up a couple of verses to a verse that sets the context for these verses. Verse 21, it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In marriage, this means there is a mutual submission. So whether it's in marriage with other people or with God, the bottom line is no one can make you submit. The whole concept of submission is that it is a choice you make to put your mission under someone else's. Say it is a choice. It is a choice. Yes, submission is when you say there is another mission. It's other than my own, and I will make it more important than mine. Okay, I know that might have felt like a tangent, but it's really important as we define submission as the choice you make to put your mission under someone else's. You defer to somebody else. You give them precedence. It's when you say your mission over mine. And this is important because the, the dare that I'm going to give you, the prayer, is all about whose mission is on top. I want to ask you uh, to look with me at what I think is probably the most famous prayer of submission, and it's going to be in Luke 22. Again, if you brought your Bible or you're using your app, you can turn to Luke 22. And this happens just after the Lord's Supper. This is the night that Jesus is going to be arrested, and all the events are about to unfold that are going to lead to his crucifixion. And so it tells us that Jesus goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane and the Mount of Olives. Now, let me explain what that is. The Mount of Olives, you've maybe heard that, that location or that phrase before. It was really just a hill that faced Jerusalem. If you were to stand on that hill, you could look out over the whole city. And in ancient times, of course, it was covered in olive trees. That's how it got the name, Mount of Olives. Uh, but what maybe you don't know about it is that um, it was actually a cemetery, See, according to Jewish tradition, the Messiah would come and he would stand on the Mount of Olives and he would raise the dead. And so it became this very holy place and it became a cemetery. I'm guessing because they were like, well, if he's going to raise the dead, let's put all the dead bodies close by to make it easy. I didn't research that. I'm just saying that makes sense to me. So it was this very holy, holy place. And so in Luke uh, 22, that is where Jesus goes. And that was his habit. Like he would go and he'd walk around this very holy place, this cemetery. And at the bottom of the Mount of Olives was the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's where this night Jesus goes to pray the prayer of submission. Look at verse 41. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond his disciples. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Let's read the rest together. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus says, Father, your mission over mine. Now, when you read this, if you're like me, it kind of raises all sorts of questions for you. Like, if Jesus is God, why is he having a different mission than God the Father's mission, right? Or what is this about Jesus? Does he not want to die for us? What is happening here? And I think what we've got to remember here, what the Bible tells us, is that while Jesus was fully God, he was also fully human, meaning he was fully tempted he had a full range of emotions, a full range of desires. While he was strong, like all humans, he was also weak. And I think what we see here is this incredibly human moment for Jesus where he is about to suffer greatly and face a terrible death. And as any of us humans would do, there is part of him that would love to choose something else. But instead... 
knowing that some dark things were on their way, he prays a prayer of submission. He says, God, your mission over mine. And that's it. That is what the prayer of submission is. It's God, not my will, but yours, not my mission, but yours, yours over mine. But kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, there, there is still a problem, isn't there? Because God is not telling us his mission. So what are we supposed to do? It's like we would be happy to follow if he would just start giving us some specifics about what he wants us to do. And this is where I want to show you something really interesting in the story that we read here. And it is all about the timing of this prayer. See, Jesus does not pray this prayer on the cross. He's on the cross. He has all the power in the world to call angels to use the forces of nature to do anything he can and is well within his power to get himself off the cross, but he doesn't. He goes along with the mission. He carries out the Father's mission. Now think about this. All the things that we hear him say on the cross, you know what we never hear him say? Not my will, but yours. And you know why? Because that prayer was already prayed. Let's back it up a little bit more to the trial. Another place we do not hear him pray a prayer of submission was at his trial. He stands up before the Sanhedrin and they try to prosecute him and try to get him to incriminate himself. So they start asking him questions. Now we all know that Jesus above anybody is an amazing wordsmith, right? He of anybody could easily have talked himself out of being guilty. In fact, he was innocent and yet he doesn't. He chooses to submit to the father at the trial. He puts God's mission first. But get this, we don't have any record of him at his trial saying, not my will, but yours be done. You know why? Because that prayer was already prayed. Let's back it up even more. He does not pray a prayer of submission when he gets arrested. Maybe you remember that story. Jesus, or Judas kisses him. A soldier comes out. Peter pulls out a sword, chops the soldier's ear off. There's all kinds of chaos and things happening. Jesus could have very easily gotten out of that, chosen a different mission, but he doesn't. He submits. But again, we never read about or hear about him saying any kind of prayer of submission. Why? I think you know the answer. That prayer, what? Was already prayed. This isn't just a fun fact. This is a really important thing to know about the prayer of submission. It is the key ingredient to this prayer, that timing is everything. This is not a prayer that you pray after God tells you his mission, when you're at the fork in the road. You don't pray this prayer of submission after you get your marching orders, and so you have them there, and you're like, well, should I do it or not? I guess I'll maybe pray this prayer of submission. See, the prayer of submission is to be prayed before God's mission is fully revealed, so that when you do get God's mission, you have already committed to doing it. You know how you have certain friends that have a way of getting you to do things? They do it like this. They go, what are you doing on Saturday? And you don't know. Like, you don't know if they're going to invite you to the beach or the dreaded what? 
help them move, right? You don't know. You know, it could be a good thing. Maybe they have an extra ticket to the new Top Gun movie. If so, definitely go because it is so good. But uh, you don't know what's going to happen. You just have to say yes or be in that weird limbo. These two Jeffs that were up here, I reached out to them and I said, hey, you guys available on Sunday? And they said yes. And lucky them. Then I told them what they were doing. But by then they were already involved. See how that goes? And it's definitely this uncomfortable position to commit before you know what it is. But I think that that is what God is looking for from us. For us to really put his mission first before we even know what the mission is. Because otherwise, here we sit and we're like, God, what's your mission I've been waiting for you to tell me what it is. When are you going to tell me what to do? My life is boring and bland and bleh, and I don't see you putting anything in front of me, and yet I look at this person over here, and it seems like you're doing a lot in their life. Like, what is happening? I don't have that. And is it possible that the reason that you're not regularly hearing from God about what his mission is is that you are not regularly telling God that when he gives it to you, you're going to do it. The prayer of submission happens before you get to the fork in the road. Could it be that you're not really praying a prayer of submission? What you've been doing is saying, God, someday I will pray it. As soon as you tell me what to do, I'm going to decide if I'm going to do it. But the thing is, is I don't know that that's how God works. I definitely know it's not how your faith gets stretched. And challenged because see then it's too easy to blow him off right like to kind of lean toward our own mission there was a book a long time ago called a generation x christian and it was all about the younger christians who were leaving the christian faith and and either abandoning faith altogether or finding something different and the author talks to one young man who left christianity to become a wiccan And so the author talks to him about why. And the young guy says, well, ultimately why I left is that the Christian God demands that you submit to his will. And in Wicca, it's just the other way around. Your will is paramount. We believe in gods and goddesses, but the deities we choose to serve are based on our own will. And he's right. It's much easier to follow a God or choose a religion that is based on what we want to do, on your mission. People have been doing that for a long time. And he's right about everything else except for one thing. God does not demand that you submit to his will. He does not enforce obedience or submission. Instead, he gives you a choice. Submission is a choice. Let's say that together. Submission is a choice. And what I'm going to dare you to do today and this week is to tell him you will say yes even before he puts the mission in front of you. Now, you got to know this isn't going to be all bad, right? Like the thing that he's going to put in front of you is going to bring significance and meaning to your life. Often his missions are just sort of a day mission, or maybe an hour mission, they're they're not often pick up everything and move to Africa for 50 years mission. I mean, probably statistically, that probably won't be your mission. Uh, It might not be a quit your job and sell everything you have mission. It might. God might put a mission before you that's just a, hey, welcome this new person to your neighborhood mission. 
or a go out of your way to help somebody with special needs mission or sign up to, to help with kids camp mission. Or it might be something bigger like go back to school mission or do something proactive to help stop the gun violence in our country mission. There's a whole range of what God's missions are for you and could be. And when you submit to them, it will bring flavor to your life and it will add momentum to your relationship. And yes, sometimes there will be risk, emotional risk, financial risk, spiritual risk, and maybe even physical risk. But there's also a great security in this prayer because when you pray it, you see opportunities show up. Opportunities that you might overlook otherwise. Opportunities that will give you a place to rest in God's mission for you. This past Wednesday, I found myself in the ER. Everything's fine, but I had to go to the first waiting room and then you go to the exam room and then I went to this second waiting room where you wait when you're gonna go have tests done or whatever. And I walk into the room and it's kind of dotted with about 10 people, all in different states of emergent needs. So, you know, you've got like the person who's in the wheelchair, you've got the family with the little kid, you've got somebody that's, you know, whatever. Okay, so I'm over here, I sit down, and right over here across the room, there is this man, and he's wrapped in a sheet, and he is just rocking and moaning, a grown man just moaning. And he says, and he's just like, oh, oh, it's, it's so heart-wrenching. And, and he says, somebody help me. And the nurse comes over, and he's like, can I just lay down? Like, my, my, my gut is on fire, and can, I, can, can you help me? And this poor nurse, like, she, she couldn't do anything other than say, like, the doctor will be with you shortly, which is not very comforting, but I get it. So she leaves. So I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, oh, man, I want to help this guy, but what can I do? And just immediately, the first thought was, well, you could pray for him. And I think you saw in the video earlier that I'm not very good at praying. And plus, there was this whole room of people. I had to walk across the whole room. And I was like, mm, that's okay. <laughs> but what you also should know is that instead of doing last week in the I Dare You booklet, I did this week's because I knew I was going to be teaching today. So I've been doing this whole week the one that you're going to do this week. And so I already that morning had said, okay, God, whatever mission you put before me, I will do it. <sighs> so I got up. <laughs> I walked over to this perfect stranger who I met, his name's Terrence, and I leaned down and I was like, can I pray for you? And he said, yes. And I said, what's your name? And he said, Terrence. I said, can I put my hand on you? He said, yes. You guys, I had like the most feather light touch because I was like, I, this guy's in so much pain. Like I, just, I, don't, I don't even want to add any more to his body, but I, I just felt like I needed to touch him, you know, especially in the emergency room where you're like, nobody's touching it, you know. And so I just prayed, like not an eloquent prayer, but just a sincere prayer, not a long prayer, but just a short prayer. And he said amen, and I said amen, and I walked back over to my seat. And then nothing happened. I mean, I was kind of hoping, like right then, the doctor would come around and they'd be like, Mr. Randall, it's your turn. We're going to solve all your problems, but nothing happened. Five minutes later, they came and took him away, and I never saw him again. 
But for me, when I went and sat back down in my seat, there was something that happened for me. Because I knew with 100% certainty that I had done what God wanted me to do. And even if I don't know the outcome, I can rest in knowing that God's got Terrence, that God goes with him. I don't know what that prayer meant to him. But what I did is I did the mission that God asked me to do. And I will say, I don't know that I would have, except that I had already said I would that morning. See, when you submit to God, it is a little bit scary, but there's also the rest of knowing, yes, I did what God asked. Yes, the next time it might be easier. Yes, sometimes I get to see the fruit of what that is. But most significantly, I think there is a deepening of your experience of God in it. Listen to verse um, 5 in 1 John chapter 2. If anyone obeys God's word, in other words, if anyone submits, God's love is truly made complete in him. Meaning that this kind of submission It leads to completeness. It comes with you fully experiencing what it is to be loved by God. Yes, there is risk to saying yes in advance, but there is also great reward. And so I dare you. This is what I dare you to do this week. I dare you every morning or every night, however you want to do it, have a genuine, earnest moment with God where you say, God, I don't know what your mission is for the day, But whatever I see or feel or hear, whatever you put in front of me, I will tell you right now, I'm going to do it. Maybe you pray it at home. Maybe you come during the week here and go on one of our prayer paths that we saw in the video and you have an extended conversation with God about his mission and your mission. I dare you every day this week to pray this prayer that says, not my will, but yours, your mission over mine. God, I want to follow you with every thought, action, deed. I want to submit my activities, my interactions. I want to do, God, what you want me to do. And again, don't wait to pray it until you're in the fork in the road. That is not when this prayer is prayed. I dare you to do it the way Jesus did, to pray it early. As we close our service, we're going to do a couple of things. The first is I'm going to give you time right now, if you're up for the dare, to pray that prayer right now for today, for the rest of your day. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It's just between you and God. It's your chance to say, God, I put your mission over mine. I will watch for your mission. And when I see it, when I feel it, when I know it, I will do it. And then we're also going to receive communion together. This is our chance to tangibly remember what happened after Jesus's prayer of submission. His obedience, his willingness to put the mission of the Father, our lives, over his own comfort. You should have got one of the little packets when you came in, and if you didn't, there'll be a time in just a moment that you can go back to the back and get it if you need to. We're going to do that together in just a couple of minutes. I'll come back up and do that. And the third thing that we're going to do together is we're going to sing one more song. And this song I heard a few months ago, and it just says everything. It is all the ways where you say, God, I'm going to follow 
what you do. I'm going to respond to what you do. It's all about putting his mission over ours. So before Derek teaches us that song, I want to, I'm going to invite you to have a few moments just between you and God to pray whatever prayer of submission you can pray today. And then I'll come up and we'll do communion together. And I'm going to ask you if you would just stand, if you would stand during this time, if you're able to, to be able to say, I'm here, God. And I say yes, even before I know what your mission is. We're going to give you just a moment to do that. And if you don't have those communion elements, now's a good time to go back and get them. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you say be still, then I will wait. And if you say to trust, I will I don't want to follow my own ways I'm done chasing feelings Oh, if you say it's wrong, then I'll say no If you say release, I'm letting go If you're in it with me, I'll be And when you say to jump, I'm diving in if you say be still, then I will wait. If you say to trust, I will obey. I don't want to follow my own ways. Done chasing feelings. Spirit, On that night, Jesus was with his followers. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take, eat, and remember me. Let's take the bread together.
and then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. Would you pray with me? Father, we are humbled at your mission. Jesus, we are thankful for how you submitted on our behalf. God, I pray in the rest of our time together that every last little bit of resistance would be freed, that you would give us courage and bravery to say yes, knowing that you are a good and loving and powerful God. In Jesus' name, amen.
trust our lives with you. We can trust our hearts with you. We can trust our hope with you, God. So, Lord, as you teach me to submit over the course of these next few weeks, Father God, will you remind me that you are worthy of that trust, Lord, that you hold those things so securely, so safely, so glad you joined us today. If you need prayer, our pastors and elders are up here at the front ready to pray with you, ready to walk with you. Other than that, have a fantastic week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Amen.